You see, we're on a mission from God. And welcome to the podcast. It's me, Q. Yeah, Amanda Qureshi is my name. I am also known as a Q, and I am super stoked today because we have an episode that is sure to be explosive. We have we have not one but two guests. Yes, they are a duo, a husband and wife team. I could easily do a separate podcast for each of them because they're both so cool, but they decided they wanted to do it together. And so uh, here we have Mr. and Mrs. Matt and Kelly Presbury. Hi, guys. Yes, explosive. No pressure. No, no. Let me tell you why. Because I am a faithful uh, follower of, of y'all's media. Because um, you guys you. do all kinds of stuff online together and separately. And when you guys pair up, it's just the best. I mean, oh, I you are. Was that like a was that a thing when you met? You were like, th- that was your criteria for meeting a partner. You're like, it has to be somebody I could totally have a, a hilarious show with. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. No, yeah. <laughs> that would be a no. Not at all. <laughs> Um, neither one of us would ever thought that no like the way things are now no we wouldn't have thought about it now Mm -hmm. very early on I will say like when I was I would say like oh six oh seven I remember I was working at um, my first elementary school and I just kept saying we need to have a show we need to have a reality show (laughs) so it's it's something that even though we don't involve the children right now and the stuff that we do but it's we, we're so open with it that we give such a view into our lives. It's almost like we do have a reality show. Yeah. But no, that, that definitely wasn't the thought in the, in the beginning. No. Because <laughs> then I was very like camera shy. Oh, and yeah. like, I didn't really? go anywhere with him because I didn't want to talk to anybody in public. But Yeah, but the you're house- the good looking one. So how's that possible? <laughs> 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 but um, no, I was, I was definitely a like very much private person and I would look at Matt in awe because I'm like you can just talk to anybody yeah but I would be my silly self inside we would laugh together do all that but outside business if I got caught out there with him (laughs) (laughs) and honestly honestly we both kind of evolved because I've always been and still and I know we've talked about this I have social anxiety Mm -hmm. around people I don't know and I never used to be this much of a conversationalist so it's really been a change and it's it's mostly because like I I talk about stuff I easily talk about stuff that I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. you know so that's what really makes a difference so once I got committed to doing work in the field of fatherhood and and things like that or if you ask me about education or children, whatever it is, then I can go on and on. But um, years ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been like this either. It's really been a transition for both of us. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Okay, well, I always start off the podcast with with some icebreaker questions, and so we're gonna do that, and then we'll go ahead and talk about all the really cool stuff that you do and your perspectives on things. So, my first icebreaker question, and you can answer together or separately. Totally up to you. Is what is the last thing you watched on TV? 
We watched the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Did you were you watching with us this morning? Oh. Okay. Oh yeah, we watched something this morning. This morning. We should answer separately then. What was the last thing that you watched? So the last thing that I would say I watched was this. It's a show. What's the name of the show? It was. It's an Asian lady who goes around and like straightens up people's houses for them. I can't oh, Marie remember. Kondo. Marie Kondo. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it was. Tidy. I fell asleep for that last night. So yeah. If anything happens to my husband, I'm marrying Marie Kondo. <laughs> I, that's it. That's it. It's over. Uh, like she is the one for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was, um, it's funny because it was another show that I watched, but he didn't watch with me. So, but we can settle on this particular show i always look for home and garden stuff to watch on my way to sleep if i'm like trying to get away from cnn uh-huh. and last night i found that show on netflix and i was like oh she is tiny she likes to purge she likes to do all the things that i like to do so i i turned it on and i was um i was like oh she's so cute because <laughs> She's so tiny and yeah. no, really, she is really tiny I, I and she's her. very uh, soft spoken. <laughs> and the whole time she's talking in Japanese. Yeah. And I'm like literally reading the subtitles. And I hate movies with subtitles, uh-huh. but I watched it and I was like, she just made me feel so much at peace. And I was able to go to sleep after that. So he nice. must have turned on and continued watching. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll say this. Actually, what happened was I, I woke up to that. I wasn't really watching it. So the last thing that I really actually watched was a movie called um, Sybil's Love on Amazon Prime. And I watched that from start to finish. If you haven't seen that, check it out. What is it's, it? Uh, it's, it's a movie with um, Namdi Asamoa played and may still play football. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of the stars in the movie and he actually produced it. And his wife, Tessa Thompson, if I'm correct, they, they married, right? Yeah. They, um, Tessa Thompson, actress, they played two individuals. One, he was a musician. He played the saxophone. And so they connected. They met when he started. He started working at her father's record shop over the summer. Like his band was in town. He started working at the father's record shop over the summer. Quick version. He and the daughter, they were working in the store together. They fell in love really quickly, had a like a whirlwind romance. But the story was really about them connecting, but disconnecting and then coming back together. Mm. And eventually in the end, so what happened is she got pregnant during that summer, but he was going to Paris. Mm. And so she didn't go with him and she never told him about the child. <gasps> so he didn't find out about the child until she was five. And the mother of the child had already married somebody else, but she was really unhappy. So the, the whole thing was that they they loved each other and they were like destined to be together. So through it all, breaking apart, getting married to other people and stuff like that, they eventually in the end, they came back together. I know who you're talking about now. The girl that played in Ragnarok. Yeah, Tessa yeah, Thompson. Yeah, Tessa Thompson. I got you now. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, um, Matt, that's pretty like, uh, it's pretty sappy. Yeah, which is not necessarily my jam, but uh, is it true? Let's hear from Kelly. Is it his jam? Is he really a closet sap? I think he is a closet sap. Okay, okay. okay. Truth I'm, comes I'm, out. I won't complain. I, I, I am but that's one of the sap. things that I really love about him. Of you know, course. I describe him as one of those sweet and sour patch. <laughs> 
He's like sour on the outside, but mm-hmm. really sweet on the inside. Oh, only sour. So nice. Sour sometimes in a certain people. It depends on how you how you treat me. You gonna catch it, but yeah, yeah. At, at heart, I am I'm a soft yeah. I admit that's okay. Someone has good qualities. She would She wouldn't be with you if you were a. Uh, I don't know what what would be uh what what is the what is the one candy that's like atomic <laughs> fireball. <laughs> Oh. Or no, no, no. The le- the one that's like a really, really sour yellow round one that's like um, super bitter. Lemon heads. Oh, lemon heads yeah. I was gonna say I could be a grape head or like an <laughs> apple head because um, I think we both have that that quality of where I know that's not what we always show like on social media, but in general, like if you would just meet us on the street, we both have that hard exterior, but mm. it's soft on the inside. Yeah, we might look like we nice, but. You got to really, we both have to um, warm up to people. Sure. It, it's, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Because it's been, it's been a lot of people done us dirty. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And I mean, I think that's right. Right. Because like the, the world is, is already kind of harsh, but if you're putting yourself out there online, a lot of people then for whatever fucking reason think that they have some ownership over you (laughs) and will feel completely entitled to say and do things that they otherwise wouldn't to a normal stranger yeah yeah Yeah. so you have to have a little bit of that detachment yeah thick skin yeah 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 i don't get it as much as you did i was gonna say it comes mostly from people that i know uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and for me, of course, being online so much more and doing, you know, the kind of work I do online, then I, I catch it from a bunch of jokers who <laughs> feel like they know me, but definitely don't know right. me. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to get into all of that, but we still have to make it through our icebreaker questions. Oh, right. This is, I, I can feel this already. This is going to go way off course. We, <laughs> we can't even keep, keep on the icebreakers. Okay, number two is, uh, what is the last book that you read? And audiobooks count. Okay. Start to finish? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't have to be. Like, I'm a big okay. believer. If it's not doing it for you, you just cut it out. All right. So I, I would say recently, and actually I listened to this whole thing before, and um, then I started listening again with our youngest son, and I feel bad because we got to get back into it. It's uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between uh, the World and Me. Oh. And you know what? They're doing a production of that. Yeah. And I I, I had to see that. But yeah, Yeah. that would be the last one. Nice. Yeah. Um, Me, a book called Pushed. It is, I cannot, the author escapes me right now, but I had to read it as a part of uh, my certification process. Oh, right. So it is about the medical and I guess the health professional system and how a lot of women are being made to have um, scheduled births. So like cesarean sections or inductions and things like that and how it relates to how the healthcare system is ran and they're trying to have everything like clockwork. And then the, so it just gives like a perspective to make you or help you understand um, why so many women, women end up with in, inductions and they're just not able to like naturally give birth or to have cesarean, excuse me, when they could have very well just had a baby healthily on their own. But right. yeah, not that right. yes. No, no, that's <laughs> right. That, that's actually really interesting because we're going to talk about that as well. Because I think that's a really interesting part of y'all's lifestyle is that you are, you will have trained to be a doula. I mean, that's a really interesting profession. 
We might have to put him in the basement. Can you hear the dog? Yeah, it's okay. I like the dog. Oh, okay. It, right. It's very, it, it, you're at home. You should, yes. Should, uh, we're going to talk about the dog too. Okay. okay. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, um, really res- responsible answers. I mean, I think I've read some, some pretty sketchy things this year. So uh, I'm impressed that you're both actually reading <laughs> good books, <laughs> Re- like educational yeah. books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay. Oh, because I had to. <laughs> yeah, understood. Understood. All right. And then the final question I have for you is what did you have for breakfast? Oh, waffles and eggs. That's easy. Same here. Are, are they homemade waffles or toaster waffles? Eggles. Eggles. Okay. All right. Legitimate. Legitimate. I mean, sometimes I, I just want one of those fake meat sausage patties and, you know, a toast. Yeah, (laughs) whatever works for you. But the reason why I ask this question is I'm a new convert to breakfast. I never Mm -hmm. ate it. And then ever since the pandemic started, now I start eating, I've started eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in other people's breakfast habits. Uh, Yeah. But sometimes you make amazing, but I see pictures of you and your kids eating like the breakfast Mm -hmm. of Kings. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have a house full of them. They all eat a great deal but yeah so we do we're, we're big on breakfast so my daughter is layla uh-huh. is um big on pancakes her favorite breakfast food is pancakes uh-huh. matt eats whatever anybody feeds them um <laughs> the boys are like meat and potato type boys they gotta have yeah. substance so um holidays i think what we do which is pretty consistent is we make sure that we have like a sit down breakfast together. So you'll see that at the holidays and we are really big on breakfast here. Nobody ever skips breakfast. We will skip lunch. Matt's dinner is usually cereal, but we never skip breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast is big. (laughs) And and we even travel for it on Mm -hmm. breakfast or if you want to call it brunch or brunch. Yeah. So we found what, what happened, Kelly and I were, staying in New Jersey one time and so we were heading out to come back to Baltimore and we went through uh, Hoboken and we discovered this place called uh, Turning Point and so the breakfast was off the charts I had um, Chesapeake Benedict with cornbread instead of the English muffins dynamite so i've i've been trying to find that ever since unsuccessfully because everybody does the you know everybody does the english muffin i I haven't seen anybody else yet who does the cornbread but anyway they have locations all over pennsylvania new jersey and they have one in christiana delaware which is about an hour maybe away from us a little over an hour Mm -hmm. so one day we i was taking all of our sons we were going to philly so it was right along the way so we stopped off and went and ate there. And since then, you know, every, it's been at least a couple of times, our youngest son has been like, well, can we drive back up there? And I mean, for an hour for this, you know, it's, it's, it's worth it. And especially, totally. especially even not, even the food aside is just, it's just a nice getaway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 You know, I, I think, I think, you know, this, my husband is South Asian, right? He's from mm-hmm. Pakistan and it's, we have really no good Pakistani restaurants here in Austin, but in San Antonio, there's one that's really good. And there's, there's some in Dallas and Houston and he, he will go there just for mm-hmm. lunch. Right. And then he'll like bring it back and put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he'll stock up and, and yeah. But, uh, yeah. We are all about traveling to eat in this. Yes. Yeah. 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 Booties. Yeah. 
Foodies, foodies. Definitely. And and we love not only just, you know, traveling, but just going to different places and seeing, you know, whatever different things they have to offer and all of that type of stuff. Museums so we love and, that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that about you. So how has it been with this fucking virus? Because you've been stuck for a long time. And I know you guys like to travel. What part of it do you, I well, mean, what part do you want to know about? Because there's so many, so many parts. Yeah. <laughs> get it all out of your, get it, get it all off your chest. <sighs> so w- what I'll say, I'll, I'll start it off. What I'll say is that I, I tell people th- this whole time, I've been in the streets more than the two yellow lines. So I haven't been. I personally, I haven't been stuck anywhere. Like uh-huh. I've been, I've been going to grocery store like almost every day, and like now lately, we do like um, short trips. We'll go out to yeah. boarding to the winery. Just yeah. a twenty-minute drive, drive a half hour. Like I said, to the turning point, which is like an hour away. So those sorts of things. But um, even prior to that, we we done. We've actually done a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went. I, I've been to Pittsburgh twice. She went once with with me, and we took all the kids. We went to New Maine. England, yeah. yeah, Maine, New Hampshire, Boston, yeah. all of that. We went to. I, I took the youngest two kids, and we went up to. Oh, actually, it's down from Boston, Foxborough mm-hmm. Stadium, and all of that sort of stuff. So, I've definitely been getting around, um, and she has as well. We really. Now, of course, it's winter. It's not the same feel and all of that. And numbers are spiking. So we really shut that down to a large degree. But at the same time, we still, like I said, we work. We we, we have to get away. Me personally, yeah. I would have lost my mind a yeah. very long time ago if I couldn't do those sorts of things. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's very much about our mental stability. And that's the that's one of the parts about being home that I don't think a lot of people understand. Um, and that's why I was saying, which part do you want to know about? Because that part, um, as far as your mental stability, what you're doing to be able to stay, to stay in the moment and to not be depressed about what's going on, to not absorb all of the negative energy from news reports and things like that. We literally had to, escape from it and I think in that escape that's what led us on the traveling thing taking all precautions for sure like everywhere I'm taking Lysol wipes Lysol disinfectant spray I'm got the gloves we got the mask we got everything that we need but just having to get out of the element and be somewhere else was definitely a necessity to help I'll speak for myself and say just for my mental state because it's it's depressing. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like, like we've gone places too, but mm-hmm. you know, like I feel we are like, we are very, these are calculated risks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yes. that, and, and for me driving down to the coast for the day is like, right. I'm alone in my car and yes. I get out and there's nobody around for like, forget six feet, like right. a mile. Right. So I know that I'm not like putting myself at more risk. In fact, I'm probably at more risk if I go to Costco. Right. So I do. I 100 percent agree. And and maybe that's actually one of the things about the pandemic that's caused me to change my habits is that I go outside daily now. Yes. I go for yes. six mile walks almost every day. Mm-hmm. 
just yeah. to get out. Wow. It's, it's, it's definitely that. And the, most of the places that we went have been those places where we're out in nature, we're at the beach. And one thing that stood out to me is when we went to Maine, mm-hmm. me realizing how beautiful to see the beaches and things. It was just for me, oh my God, like a breath of a different kind of air. Like it's just not here. We've always traveled South. So just seeing that and being out, we wanted to go camping. We didn't make it camping, but not yet. Um, yeah, just, just seeing new places and being in rural areas and places we wouldn't normally stay. And one thing that I certainly love is that I've been able to work and the kids have been able to mm-hmm. be in school, air quotes, in school, yes. <laughs> um, while we travel. So yeah. that, that's something that totally would have been impossible, mm-hmm. you know, previously. So that's been a blessing that they've been able to experience these things with us and that, you know, nothing has suffered because of it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. We And we still feel like we kind of, I don't know if fight is the right word, but like we keep an eye on the kids. We listen to them, talk to them. And all of those sorts of things, because even with all that we do, nothing can really replace what they're missing, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing we do is going to replace them being able to go to school, hang with their buddies, and do this and do that. Nothing can replace that, but we just try to supplement as much as possible. And then outside of that, we really try to just listen to them and understand what they are, because I know firsthand that a lot of children are suffering with depression right now yeah, it's true um, matter of fact there was a student who was in my first period class who actually took our life <gasps> and when I said something about that to someone they told me about someone that they knew mm. who did the same so oh multiple cases of this happening with children so we just got to she met uh she was uh 16 I believe 16 something yeah yeah, very. And so, so it's tough. So all of the things that they have to go through on top of just hearing about all of this stuff happening to other people and all of that, if you, if you let that sink in, it's definitely, it's, it's very much close to impossible to not be depressed by it with all of this stuff. So just really, really working to push to keep us as healthy in 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 our minds as much as possible even you know just as much as we do physically trying to stay away from the virus and all of that sort of stuff yeah when uh so i i'm curious to know about the impact on your your family so we when when we first got sent home all of us in march my husband and i are working from home kids are both still going to school from home i have high school seniors and so i thought back in March, I thought, oh my God, we're gonna, I'm going to get a divorce. We're going to kill each other. Like <laughs> we're not going to be able to make it. My kids are going to drive me crazy. And I am shocked at how wrong I was. Like I actually feel closer to my family than I ever have before. I feel like I love them more. I'm more interested in them. I, you know, almost every day I'm like, oh man, my kids are so interesting. Right. Yeah. Like, I, it's just amazing. And I know because they're going to go to college pretty soon that mm-hmm. we're all we're going to look back on this year with like this. Oh, this is some bonus time we had with them. I really yeah. spend time yeah. with them. So yeah. how has it affected? You want to talk a little bit about who's in your family, in your home and how it's affected the way that y'all have been together? So it's six of us. So it's oh. Matt, myself, 
Layla, Braylon, and we have two oldest sons, Bryce and Breon. They are not at home with us, but um, when this all started, Bryce was still home. Our oldest, Breon, has been in college, and he had the luxury of staying there because they're in apartments. So he is on a school campus in an apartment, probably about 10 minutes away from us. Bryce was here. He moved out, and he's living with roommates now. So he is um, probably about 20 minutes away from us. And then our two youngest, Braylon and Layla, are here. I'm working from home. So I work um, in higher education, online school. And so I've been working from home since March the 15th. <laughs> and is I think that was a date that they all sent us home, even the 12th mm-hmm. or the 15th. It's still on the calendar. And then Matt is... I work in lower education. No. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's higher, it's lower. It's but primary. It's primary education. <laughs> but no, I've actually, I got transferred to a high school. So now I'm working with high schoolers. And so that, that it, it's been an adjustment. And especially considering the fact that when this stuff first started last school year, I was not working. I was I was on leave. So I didn't get to experience any of this until September. So that was my entrance into the whole virtual learning bit. And I had I hadn't been working for geez, like actually in a school building since December. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. No, well nineteen. Oh, 2019. It's 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, it all gets, <laughs> yeah. it's all a blur. I know. Now. It's really all a blur now. But uh, just in, in terms of like working and stuff like that, it was definitely an adjustment in the beginning, but I appreciate it because I get so much done for the foundation and all that stuff. And I know we're going to get into that, but that, that's been a blessing. And it's been, it's definitely been ups and downs and changes. And we, go to I think Kelly mentioned this earlier but we got into couples counseling marriage counseling whatever you want to call it I think before I think before COVID we were already going and then as things transitioned so we had already been home both of us were actually home long before the shutdowns and all of that stuff so we got a little head start on other people in terms of just being together with each other at home around the clock and all of that so we, we had a little leg up on that. And then the marriage counseling helped tremendously just in general, but especially with us being home all the time. Like it's made such a difference because I, I don't want to say that we definitely would have, but it's a possibility things could have really went south fast if we right. didn't have that person already. And, and not only just having that person, but if we hadn't already started the process of getting better at communicating and doing the things that we need to do for with each other and that whole sort of thing. So it was great that we got that kind of preparation before everything just really, really went down and before the kids had to come home. So that was a big difference. Like we were home with each other and the kids were in school. Like that's one when they when they stopped going to school, it was a different story. Like yeah, that's a that's a party crashing situation. <laughs> we really gotta feed y'all three times a day now. Get right. <laughs> it was. Um and I'm just sitting here thinking like I feel like we we both were on leave for a short period in 2019, but I had it literally. I came back from leave, went to work, and then they shut our offices down. 
And so I was just, it just like was an aha moment when you said that. Cause I was like, yeah, we were home, mm-hmm. but it was the therapy couldn't have come at a better time. Um, the other thing that I went through, through this as far as working and being home was as far as me um, with clients um, being a doula, it definitely was a transition um, for me because I started this process I'm going to say April of 2019, mm-hmm. I started this process with um, getting certified. And the idea was that I was supposed to, by 2020, to, you know, to start my business and be able to start seeing clients and things like that. And that totally went down the toilet. Uh-huh. And so I was just freshly trained and looking to start, you know, my career working with moms and didn't really know how to navigate the whole virtual thing with meeting clients. So I just had to like stop everything for several months and I'm just getting back out there. Yeah. Um, for, uh, for folks who don't know what a doula is or, or what you do, can you explain that? Yeah. So a doula is a support clinician or health professional that can come in and help support you through your prenatal, through birth and also um, postpartum. Basically, I would meet with them probably in their third trimester. And then um, I would support them in labor. Mm-hmm. So besides your doctor, I would be the second person you probably would call to be there for you once you get to the hospital and help you through that process. I also talk with clients about what to expect when they labor, mm-hmm. um, what things they, you know, talk about what birth plan you have, what do you foresee labor looking like to you when you get to the hospital so that we can, you know, get those things together, help your partner to understand what ha- happens during those times. And then after birth and um, postpartum care, it looks kind of like, I would say a nanny. Um, your doula will come home and help you get through the nights with feedings, um, help around the house, um, laundry, uh, feeding, changing, things like that for your first two weeks after you bring baby home. So we're um, a support, whether it be in comfort measures or with like learning and understanding pregnancy, all of those good things that maybe a mom doesn't know a whole lot about, or maybe they just need support because they know how rough it was the first time they had a baby into, you know, being home and adjusting to life after baby. What is it that drew you to doing that? That is a great question. So I am a 40-year-old lady. I've had two babies of my own. And I actually did not know what a doula was when I had my kid. And one day someone had reached out to me because of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) It was really crazy. But they reached out to me because they knew that we had started the Black Fathers Foundation. And they were looking to start a collective of doulas that brought a specific niche to the collective and me being um, a co-founder of a fatherhood organization, they reached out and thought of me as far as being trained to become a doula and being able to work with fathers to help them understand what a doula's role is, or maybe even certify um, potential male doulas. That sounds kind of crazy to some people, but they are there are male doulas out there. That's where it all started. And I think 
what happened along that process, I think it was God's funny way of like getting me to deal with certain issues that I had that I really didn't know that I had until I dug a little bit deeper. In 2018, I asked God just to show me what my purpose was because mm-hmm. I was the mother, I was a wife, I was climbing the, the little ladder at my job, but I just didn't feel complete. I didn't have my own thing per se. And at the time, Matt and I hadn't decided to start Black Fathers. So it was just my way of just trying to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to give to the world. And then that happened. And not only did she reach out to me, but she also gave me a scholarship to do it. I was like, okay. well, that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to do this. Um, yeah. So I did it and it taught me a lot. It taught me about the whole process of what doulas are. A doula is just a support system. I was a doula for my sister when she had her babies, but I didn't know what that's, that's what it was. My mom was my doula. Uh, girlfriends were my doulas when I had my babies, but I didn't know that that's what it was called. And the history that comes behind it is that this is like a, a thing that happens in the African American community. Mm-hmm. Um, it has for a very long time and we just weren't recognized for it. Um, and there were so many obstacles that doulas or house at, at, at that time, like during slavery time, was just the, the maids or slaves that they had in the house doing this for either... White folks. <laughs> Right. You can say, say, you can 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 say, you for say, you can 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 say, Sure. Those things. And at this time, being certified as a doula is, is a new thing, but midwifery is not. And basically that whole process that we have now to become a midwife, it was something that was always done. White people took that and made like where you had to get certified. You had to go <laughs> to school. You had to do all of these things just to learn the things that we've been doing for years. So anyway, um, learned all of that history also learned a lot about myself, how uh, my mom really didn't teach me a lot of things about my body as a woman and how to love myself or, mm-hmm. um, and I get really emotional when I talk about this because I'm still in a place where I'm still learning things about myself that I wish my mother helped me to learn, yeah, but didn't. And so all of that came out in this training. Matt saw so many emotions come out of me with this training. I never realized how much not having my father in, in my life yeah. meant. And I learned that through this process. It was so much that I had, that I had to let go to be able to give to somebody else. And I think that's why God set that path for me that way. So... I'm just grateful that I was able to learn it, to be able to give it to somebody else. Even if I don't, I told Matt, I'm not about like being in it for business or to make money. I want to give what I didn't have to someone else. I want to give this to my daughter. Mm -hmm. I want her to feel comfortable with her body and to understand who she is and things like that. 
And this helped me to understand that learning history about this profession and my culture was something else that I had never done before, never allowed myself to do. My mom was a single mother. She never taught me that that was important. I didn't understand. I will always battle with Matt because he's very much grounded in his culture. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that. And it was a block. But this helped me This helped me to learn where I came from and just in so many different ways. And so now it's, it's taken me to learn who I want to be as a someone in business. Um, do I want to do this because of money? No, I want to help people. Like people didn't know Erica Badu was a doula until she said she would be Tiana, um, Tiana Taylor's doula. Yeah, This is something sacred that is not, it's supposed to mean something. And I just feel like that's who I want to be in this profession. Yeah. So when people say, oh, you're a doula, I'm like, yeah, I am. To me, it's just like, no, I don't want to be known as like the co-founder of Black Fathers and doula, Master Doula Kelly Pressburg. That's not what I did this for. Yeah. It's yeah. not what it's about. So I'm glad I finally get to, nope, I've never had an interview where we discussed this. And I'm glad you asked me this because I really want to make sure that that's what it's about. That, that is emotion. amazing. Amazing. I also feel like I... I'm a 40-year-old woman, right? A 40-year-old woman. Um, I'm white, obviously, but I think for all women, it's really challenging in the world, in our society, to accept yourself and to love yourself. And I've recently been grappling with, I loathe things about myself. Like, I don't look in the mirror and, and love myself. I look in the mirror and immediately look at all my faults. And that's just the physical part, <laughs> right? And the sh- and shame around sexuality and shame around your body. All of those things are so deeply ingrained that you don't even realize how much that impacts you. And, and look, my mom, I love my mom, but she was also working with like the limited you know, she was also single. Uh, I live with her and she had a lot of fear around me, you know, like getting into trouble or any of those things. So she was very like protective and harsh about, you know, sex and things like that. And, um, and so it was just sort of, she didn't give me a lot of those things either, which I ended up, you know, when I got older being very, I didn't respect myself and I Mm -hmm. treated myself badly. And so it's only in my forties, like you're saying that I was able to sort of reclaim this, this time where I'm looking at myself and saying, who am I? What do I want for myself? What is my true value and, and making those decisions. And then, you know, what you were saying too, I truly believe that we heal ourselves by serving others. I think when you are able, when you feel a call to something that allows you to be in service to people and that nourishes you, right? It, it opens up things that you never had the courage to confront or, or were able to confront. And that resonates with me so much. So um, my God, congratulations to you for hearing that call seeing the opportunities and then taking them and running with them and letting yes. it transform you because a lot of people won't let it transform them. Right. Like they'll, yeah. they'll see opportunities and they'll be afraid yeah. of change. And you're just like, man, fuck it. I'm going for it. I'm going to yes. let, let the universe, you know, 
work its magic on me. It's awesome. And I, I appreciate it too, because I know for a fact that it has uh, changed our relationship for the better. Like for, and both of us, honestly, are not, not taking anything away from her whatsoever, but both of us honestly had a lot of stuff to unpack that we never unpacked. And we started doing that. Um, and that has definitely improved our relationship because a lot of times you behave a certain way because of certain things and, you know, certain things that happened 20, 30 years ago. And they influenced how you still behave to this day if you haven't come to grips with them and really worked to deal with them. So we've discovered things about ourselves and found out we behave certain ways to this day because of the way that we were raised. And this is, I'm 44, so you're talking... You know, 40 years ago, I was a four-year-old and, you know, my mother was instilling this stuff in me then and nothing against my mother whatsoever, but she just had a style that where she wanted to do everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't say like I was helpless. Like I made stuff happen for myself. I started working when I was 16 and all of that, but it definitely set me on a path to expect others to handle stuff that I just if I just didn't feel like handling it then I'd push it off to somebody else so I just wouldn't do it because yeah. that was what what I had grown up with basically you know and she Kelly was pretty much raised the complete opposite oh. it's like make it happen for yourself do it whatever whatever if I'm wrong correct me but I know you know we've discussed this so we really came up on kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum so the way, and that could obviously you think in a relationship, especially when you have children, you're raising children and all of that stuff. There's so many things that we just think about differently based on stuff that we've been through. Oh, so yeah. to come to those kind of realizations, and understand, yeah, this is why I act this way. And maybe this ain't the best thing. Maybe I should switch this up a little bit. It's been uh, tremendous. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The other thing, Kelly, that you mentioned about just sort of, not really having your culture or having to find your culture, find your, your identity um, and being partnered with somebody who is so strong in theirs. I mean, I feel that really intensely because my husband is, I mean, he was born and raised in another country. A, a huge amount of our friends are people that he are, you know, from his culture. And so I had to really I, I, in fact, I lost myself for a while trying to fit in there and mm -hmm. that process of like trying to figure out who, who am I and who are my people, that is a really hard thing to do. It's so oh, yeah. complicated and messy. Yeah, it is. Um, so I know we were talking about this before, how we were saying how we are on the exterior, we're hard on the exterior, soft on the inside, right? Right. But a lot of that was because I was not comfortable with who I am. Um, not looks, not those those superficial things, but like not confident in who I am mm -hmm. because I lack what I thought was, I lacked culture. I, I lacked an opinion. Yeah. I was very much surface in my conversation with people. And I still feel, you know, I'm not all the way there yet. I may have a little street smarts. I don't have the all of the book smart so sometimes i would feel intimidated mm -hmm. um being around matt 
with his intellectual self and yeah. have an opinion about everything self and yeah. I don't like this and we should use this type of toothpaste. I didn't have anyone in my family who had an opinion about things like that. We just like getting up, living day by day, like looking back, I'm like, some of the stuff I'm glad I'm still here. Uh-huh. Um and so, uh-huh. <laughs> so I was very I was I was scared. And so I wouldn't go to events with him. I wouldn't um, surround, like, if he and we had a party, I'd be in the kitchen cleaning up. Like, I didn't yep. want to involve myself in conversations and things like that. And everybody was like, where's Kelly? What? And so in all of what has happened when I'm trying to, like, find myself, I'm realizing slowly but surely that those things are okay. It's okay not to know every black fact right Right. yeah (laughs) um but do i want to learn you know do i want to be more um and yeah i do but i don't have to be everything and i think i was putting this expectation to be this person on myself Mm -hmm. that i really don't have to be and i wasn't helping yeah, like we like here we definitely had yeah. arguments about toothpaste yeah. and fluoride. I was a real jerk. Oh, it really was. In yeah. hindsight, I was a super jerk because like I could read something in 30 <laughs> seconds and I'll be like, oh, that's it. Stop everything. We're going to this new thing. Forget yeah. it. Don't buy it ever again or whatever, because thus and such says so. And that's that's the word. That's what it is. And that's not culture per se, <laughs> but that's like Oh, he's reading. What was that website used to read all Natural the time? News. Natural News. And you asked us what book we read. I'm not a book reader. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't make me sit down and read books. Those are not habits that I have with me. So now I'm just like a social media. I'm looking at social media, mm-hmm. right? And I don't like that about myself now because I'm like, that is not where we should gather our news from. That is not where we should gather our culture from. We need to learn things about our history and things like that. And I'm more vested in that now mm-hmm. than I am in things like that. So, but what Matt would come to me after something he's read and say, hey, we should change this. I'm like, why? I've been using fluoride for all of my life and I'm not dead yet. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because I've read here that it's poison. So that's it. Yeah. No more ever again. <laughs> so it was just like that part of me, I had to, that was 10, 15 years ago, Q. So it's like now, okay, maybe a year seven, I'm like, all right, let me go look at this natural news website and see what he's talking about. And yeah. let me learn a thing or two about a thing or two, because at least not trying to put that roadblock in the, the between the two of us, but I'm trying to, in my own pace, again, learn who I am, learn things that I like, what do I want to know about, how do I want, you know, having an opinion about what's safe for me mm-hmm. so that I can have a conversation with this guy and right. be able to hold my own um, or even with his friends and hold my own and say, hey, well, I don't agree because yeah. it's not that serious. It's only 1% fluoride in the toothpaste get out of here yeah. so <laughs> I've, I've i've had to i've come a long way I, I i guess maybe people say a come to jesus moment or whatever i guess but i don't know why it took me so long but so part of it was that for a long time i just hated people telling me what to do 
and also telling me stuff that went against what I already had in my mind. So if I was adamant about it, like, I did not want to hear you tell me anything to the contrary. You're so a Taurus, that, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so is my husband. May, May 2nd, baby. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, so that's what, what I had to get out of because that's just where I was in, in, in so many ways. And, like, we absolutely would not be working together right now if I had stayed the way I was because – I just didn't want to hear it. And for as much as I would tell people, oh, I can't get anybody to help me and I'm doing this all by myself. Part of it was my own creation because like, I just didn't want to hear shit else people had to say if it wasn't. I agree with you, Matt, let's go. You know, so I had to get away from that. It was, it was the same for me too. I think that I had to get closer to understanding who I was and be grounded in that and be confident in that in order to step up to the bull. And him, I like that. Step up to the bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of different ways. I love you. I mean, but I, I, I step up to the ride the bull, but that might be a different show. For no, mm-hmm. anyway. But just you know, just being able to be like, okay, he's bluffing that. You know, I can yeah, yeah. know the difference, and I yeah. and it it took growth on both of our ends to see that i think we talked about like a way around that but like yeah we both had our growing to do yeah i just i keep thinking about like uh uh number line or something like that or whatever because you know teach educate whatever so in my mind it's like a number line and like each of us we were on opposite ends of Uh the number line and we basically just started working our way toward the middle so yeah so this is a perfect segue because you have done what a lot of couples could never dream of doing, which is you've co-founded an organization, a foundation, right? And that's actually how I met y'all is that I met Matt through the Facebook community leadership program where he was representing this, you know, online community that he built for black fathers and had, you know, y'all had founded this black fathers foundation. And so we, you know, I met Matt several times during the course of that year, you know, just sort of in our, um, in our little groups, you know, and get training and all that. And then just, you know, ended up following both of you on social media, of course, and really getting to know your personalities that way. And so talk to me about the inception of the Black Fathers Foundation. Uh, What was the, what was the, I mean, what would possess two people (laughs) to try to build something together like that, which is so hard. It's hard enough, but then to do it with, you know, your life partner. And I mean, that's a, it can be considered kind of risky because it could go very good. It could go very bad, but, but you believed enough in it that you decided to go ahead and do it. And now it's Mm -hmm. thriving. So talk about that. I'll take a stay when you fill in. Because Matt is the historical knowledge base for Black Fathers. However, I've been here since we started the foundation. Black Fathers was started how many years ago, babe? Uh, we're about to be 12 years old. In, in four days, we'll be 12 years old. Wow. Um, and now it has reached over 74,000. 75,000 members in the uh, private Black Fathers group. And like you said, you met Matt through um, him being the creator of that group. 
And so what Black Fathers Foundation is the offshoot of that. So, mm-hmm. so many years, everybody was telling Matt, you should start a nonprofit, you should start a nonprofit. And through all of that time, again, circling back to what we were talking about before, we were both in our phases where we were growing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that held us back from starting a foundation was just that, like us growing as people, being more financially sound and things like that. Like things I felt like we needed to get in order before we would jump out there and start a nonprofit. Um, and then what happened was Facebook came along yeah. and was like, Matt, we want you to do something more with black fathers. And we, we decided that's when we were going to start the nonprofit. And so we started it out with a bang. That's for sure. Um, Black Fathers is a organization that is going to be a source of content material for fathers so that they could be um, the best fathers that they can be for their families or for their communities. And we are going to provide um, educational services for them. We're going to provide resources for them um, in not just our community, but across the country. Um, and beyond because Black Fathers actually has um, the the private Facebook group has global reach. Global reach. So we want to provide funding uh, for young fathers who are trying to pursue post secondary education. And we also want to build that out and help families make good choices when it comes to post secondary education. A big piece that we both are passionate about is mental health mm-hmm. you want to be able to pro- provide services but first open up the content um and and talk and have the dialogue surrounding how important mental health is for fathers and how that impacts families and be able to provide services and resources for them so that they could again be the best fathers that they can be to their families and to the community um, did I miss anything? I don't think so, but I, I just wanted to say on the subject of mental health and fathers, it, it is definitely primarily, obviously, we're the Black Fathers Foundation, so the focus is always on Black men, but when it comes to the mental health piece, we know that in, in, in the Black community, to a large extent, still to this day, is very much a stigma about mental health, mental instability, particularly And so we want to push that heavily and really focus on black men who are raising children to help them understand that we all need to take care of ourselves, not just physically, you know, work out, do all of these things. But the mental is so important because if that's not where it needs to be, it's virtually impossible to be the best father you can be if your mental wellness is not where it needs to be. And that's not to say that you can't have depression. It's, I have severe depression. I've been through a lot. I take meds of different sorts right now. And But the thing is the awareness and the understanding and the acceptance that, yes, this is right now what I have to deal with. So ignoring it or pretending it's not there, wishing it away, none of that helps. Pushing through as as we as men 
tend to do because we think we're benefiting our families in that sense, but really we're hurting them because we're hurting ourselves in the process. So that's something that we're really, really pushing for men to understand. And, and also on those lines, a lot of times, even if we can accept that that's what it is, we still keep pushing past because we think oftentimes that it is selfish for us to take time to ourselves away from our families, away from our spouses and all of that sort of stuff. No, they need me. I got to do this. I got to No, you need you. You need you. So go take some time and it's selfish, but it's okay to be selfish. You have to be selfish because you need to be your best self in order to be what you need to be for these children. Um, and then the last piece is um, we we have an emergency fund and we help families out in need, um, fathers and families in need. Um, so we keep that fund for like if we if just recently we had two dads that passed away unexpectedly um, in COVID. Of course, through the holidays, people need help, food, anything that we can do, we help in that manner um, as well. So we keep that fund going and it's the fund is created based off of or with the help of the Black Fathers group, the Facebook group. And so that's that's kind of like where we are. We're still building. Um, we did we start off, like I said, with a bang. But now that COVID has hit, it's kind of um, reduced the things that we can do. So a lot of it is virtual for us now. And so we just just will continue to build. Yeah. Together. For I don't think Kelly touched on this like specifically, but in the beginning when I created Black Fathers, the, the Facebook group, it was primarily done to combat a lot of stereotypes about who we are as as black men in this society raising children or fighting to raise our children if that's the case and those sorts of things so i wanted to create that platform through which we could represent ourselves and so regardless of what anybody said i don't care what the new york times said i don't care what the latest study said we could tell you this is who I am as a black man raising these four kids in yeah. Baltimore. So it doesn't matter what they say. They can say anything that they want to say. But if we don't have those kinds of platforms, then our voices can't be heard. And the thing that I don't like is when people say, give voice. Like, no, shorty, I got a voice. He has a voice. They have a voice. They just don't have a, a place where they can go speak and people going to listen. Like, we all got voices, but there's a difference between me sitting in my house saying something and me sitting in a zoom call telling you something or me going to an event like when you have an event or at our gala and mm -hmm. people standing up there and saying this is who i am as a black man this is me yep. and it's not what you see on tv it's absolutely not if you knew who i truly am it'll probably blow your mind because it's not the stereotypical thing that mainstream media is feeding you mm -hmm. so that was really the impetus. And then also for us to be resources to one another. And that's what I love about the foundation is that so much. It, I mean, obviously, it's it's all of the things that Black Fathers, the Facebook group is in a physical form. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's that's what we're working with. Yes. So we bring that to people and we still have you on the content because that's us still telling our stories. And in addition to that, the resources, because there's so much information that guys don't know oftentimes everybody says the same thing there's no blueprint to this to being a father right no manual none of that stuff and so many of us 
grew up without fathers. So not only did we had not have a blueprint or a book or a guide, we didn't even have anybody as, as a father figure, a person in our lives to really be that representation. So we provide that to one another. And I think that's the real beauty of what it is. Like we had conversation, a thread in the group today, someone said that he was feeling away because his 13 year old didn't get him anything for Christmas. Yeah. Right. And so you have a real mixed bag, but we, we I, I, no, see, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what, the, that's what the guys say in the group. Some. Oh, man. Some. But this is the thing that I love is that you have those. You have those, oh, come on, man, oh, get over it. Mm-hmm. But you also have those who are like, I feel you, bro, because it's, it's not even about the gift. Some people are on that, oh, oh Christmas is commercial, yada, yada. You grown. How you sweating if your kids don't get you anything? Right, but it's right. that feeling, right? right. We're so used to people disrespecting us people not caring people ignoring us that we feel like that's okay like we're supposed to accept that mm-hmm. no we're not supposed to accept it like i'm not worried about the gift i'm worried about the fact that i make everything possible for you that you need and you couldn't take 30 seconds to think about the fact that maybe i should show him i appreciate this right maybe i should, maybe I should just show my pops i appreciate him mm-hmm. right. that's what it is and it really as, as a human being, it just makes you feel a way. And it's not about a man or a woman or this and that. As a human being, when your child that you do all of this stuff for 365 and a quarter does not recognize and take the time to say, all right, maybe I don't care if you make me a card out of construction paper. It's the point that you thought enough of me to say, I don't want to let this day go by without doing something for my father, right? To show That's him right. that. That's right. So we had that whole conversation and we had all kinds of sides and viewpoints, but as long as it's done in a civilized, constructive manner and nobody's calling people out their names and stuff like that, I love it. I tell people all the time because, and you probably know, you get people in a group and when you say something about something that they've said, a lot of people take it personally. And then they're like, oh, well, you just don't want people to disagree. You want everybody to think like this. No, I love to see people disagree. What I do not love and will not tolerate is disrespect. There's a big difference. Big difference. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely on board with that. I feel like, um, and this this might sound kind kind of a cheesy thing, but I'm pulling this as a thread from what Kelly said and what you're saying about, you know, creating these structures that are very traditional, right? These ideas that that these are our people. For me, and, and I do social media for a living, the best case scenario in a social media is to create a community of people who fill that place uh, that we, we had, you know, for a gazillion years <laughs> and then modernity destroyed it's a it's a community of people who you don't always not not everybody agrees not everybody disagrees the idea is everyone kind of puts in their opinions but they ultimately have your best interest at heart and so they give you the best of what they have whether it's their advice yeah. or whatever and then you get to as a as an adult take all that in and really process it think about it and then make your choices and yeah. that's what community should be mm-hmm. and uh, and the way that our modern world is set up, we're all in these isolated little um, you know, nuclear families and we just don't have that same kind of feeling for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Now everybody has the emotional intellect, mm-hmm. you know, so, so many people who are just like, this is my truth because this is the way I did it. This is the way my father did it. And this is the way it needs to be. And a real man and a real father and, you know, and that whole sort of thing. And you have to have, it takes 
a level of maturity to be able to say, look, this is my truth. This works for me, but that don't mean it's got to work for you. And even going back to the mental health piece, that's one thing that I said on that thread is that somebody, somebody said something about whatever, basically like get over it or whatever. And I said, you know, what we all have to keep in mind is we don't know where anybody's mental state is, their emotional, their psyche, all of that. It could be supremely fragile, like mm-hmm. and they could be depressed. I go through depression. And one of the things for me is that whole sort of thing, whereas things that seem small to other people seem like just a just a speed bump can be a mountain to me. You know, mm-hmm. so not everybody gets that just because it's not that deep to you. It's the Pacific Ocean to me. Right. You know, it's, it's the Grand Canyon to me in that moment, right? So you can say how you feel. You can say what you would do, but you should not judge me because of how I'm receiving it and how I'm feeling about something that my child did or did not do to me. Yep. That's wisdom, I think. And it's wisdom that hopefully, I mean, it, it's not true for everybody, but as we get older and and have more experience, I think we gain some of that. Um, you know, you're right that like, it's not, everyone has that and not, uh, especially not online, or at least they may have it, but they're not willing to share it online. It's right. Yeah. You know, it's usually all about just swapping opinions or throwing them at each other. Yes. It's mm-hmm. like, um, I, I call it, I, I call it a shit show sometimes <laughs> because it, it, it definitely is. I've never been one. I don't want to get into a back and forth with people online. I'm more of a scroller and I'm a like, hmm, and I'm going to just keep going. Or I might have a conversation with Matt about it because it's really hard to know where a person's maturity level is when you have conversations with them. It's really hard to not get engaged. Sometimes people, I, I, I'm actually right now, I'm on a, a break from Facebook. And I took, and I'm just trying to think, should I share this? But I'm on a break from Facebook. And over time, I have seen a lot of people making judgments on people for their choices on what they choose to do in their own homes to get through this whole thing, this whole pandemic thing. And um, I've always been saying the whole entire time, we cannot judge people for what they choose to do. You have no idea where their mental state is dealing with all of this and so if we see somebody at the club we don't know what they don't know or who they are or where their mental state is or where they're I I mean you don't you just don't know so I don't try to pass judgment I'm like oh gosh but don't you know I may say don't don't ask where you got corona from because now you got you know you know what you did last week but I'm not judging them while they're out and someone had made a comment to me about it and I always try to handle things diplomatically I'm always taking into consideration I don't know where that person's energy is coming from why they upset is this person upset because they're in the house and they've been in home the whole time not being you know not being mean like this that's not a mean girl thing but like literally they might be upset because they've been in the house and like on edge and so I have I looked at the comment and I responded respectfully, you know, no judging. We can't judge each other. Everybody's doing their own thing. But I feel like 
Facebook is a place where that is just charged up. And it is a place where people can decide to put their most negative things out into the world. And it has become so bad since we've been home because now people have full access all day, all night to just type things up, type their whole life away about things that they wouldn't normally say to the person sitting next to them or whatever. And I just, that's how I always have looked at Facebook. So I don't use it as that type of tool. I can't connect with you on Facebook. I need to be in a room with you. I need you to know who I am. And so the thing that I like most about what we're doing now is that we're taking that to another another level. Yes, the camaraderie that they have within that group, the brotherhood that they have, the, the, the sharing that they have. Sometimes you can make it through to people and explain to them, hey, consider this. Um, you don't know where the energy is coming from. When we have it in person, it's just totally different. Yeah. And, and you always have to... You always have to evolve and be thinking ahead. Like I immediately I thought of the guy kept on stage and his wife and his uh, counterparts who have rocketed to success via social media and who now own a whole production studio. He's got an app. He's got people subscribed to an app paying five ninety nine a month, myself included, and done all of these things. So I think that while Facebook and all the social media outlets are valuable for what they provide, we have to be able to think of what are the next steps? What, first of all, there's no reason we should be totally dependent on any of them. That's for sure to make things happen because right. it just doesn't make sense, especially considering if uh, I just had one word and I'm good, my space where that right. go okay yeah. so when the day that facebook no longer exists whenever that is it will come one day when it doesn't exist then what do we have so we have to be thinking outside of that as well and seeing what can we do to have something that we really have a stake in to be able to call our own where we're not beholden to mark zuckerberg and whomever else you know oh, so, I think about that all the time because, you know, I had the come to Jesus moment uh, earlier this year where I was like, you know, I was complaining to myself, I really wish I could write a book, but I don't really have time to write a book. Right. And then I was like, if I calculated how much my word count is on all these apps, I, I could have written a book. Right. Yeah. But that is all content that I'm giving away, like just and it's free and I'm just throwing it yeah. out there and then, then it's gone and then it's like totally gone. It's burned up. And so at some point, I, I think that there's, I'm not saying there's no value to social media, but it's also not building equity for yourself, building your own web property. It's not building for you. You know, how do you, are we making it work for us or are we working for it? And that's a question that only we can ask for ourselves and we have to be the ones to do it. And yes. I'm 100% on that train. I completely agree. Because what we talked about before we even started recording, it really frustrates me that you know, back in the day, I thought, oh, the internet is going to break down all these, you know, power structures, and we're going to have so much more, you know, diversity. And then basically, what happened is all of like the traditional media moved in. And now they run social media, like yeah. all these platforms, right? They have all their content is in your face all day. And meanwhile, all the struggling people and all the different people who aren't, you know, they don't fit in traditional or 
or you know aspirational media, whether it's body type, whether it's race, whether it's um, gender or sexuality, those things aren't fully represented even in the most democratized media, which is social media, still. Mm -hmm. And that just, now, that I felt really bad about that. Now I'm just pissed about it. I'm like, yeah. like at this point, we just need to start doing our own things and like supporting yeah. one another because it's not right and it's not fair. I, I don't, yeah. I would rather, and I think what's even more frustrating is like the people who, who need money to do this. And this is, nobody wants to talk about this, especially creative people, right? Like we're like, uh, I, Kelly, I'm not, I don't, I'm not doing it for money. Well, no, you're not, you're not, you're doing it because it's your passion, but also you got to eat. Right. Yeah. And so there has to be ways that we can channel all that money. I, I spend how much every month to, to buy Netflix and Amazon plus and, you know, Disney plus and all this shit. I spend hundreds of dollars every month on content. And yeah. yet, there's very few ways to get money to the people that I believe in or few platforms that allow people who are doing that kind of work to profit from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's our, that's our challenge right now is to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. And another challenge is really to shift people's mindsets because yeah. Yeah. we know for sure, like we can just look and say how many people are paying, even with the rate hike, even though we complain, we're still paying to whatever it is a month for Netflix, but then we'll turn around and say, $5.99 for Kevin Stays. I ain't paying that. I'm not, you know, nice. but this is somebody who, first of all, is only charging one third of what Netflix is, even though it's it's not it's not a apples to apples comparison necessarily, of course, because of what at this stage he's able to offer. Right. It, or even the lane that he's taken, it's all right now, it's all about comedy. So yes, it's limited, but the main thing is that we have to have the mindset to say, I'm not going to sit here and nitpick and say, okay, well, it's not this and it's not that. No, what it is, is a man and several people, because it's truly not just this one man, obviously, but several people, including and especially with the man who probably was the, the visionary on all this and spearheaded it, who said, we're going to do this and we're just going to be sustaining this manner similarly to what we're saying about the foundation where i fully believe that uh in spite of all the evidence to the contrary that our seventy-five thousand membership in the facebook group can sustain us so that we're not out here begging corporations for money right. and things like that right. but it's all that same sort of mindset that right. says we this is something that we ought to be supporting so that these people who are doing this don't have to go here and beg for money or don't have to do things that they don't want to do. And they don't have to do things that some of us are telling them not to do. Like there are people in a group who have told me, oh, don't take money from the white man. I'm like, okay, so where's your check? Right. So let me ask you this. Do you think that it's that people don't value the content that's being made by independence or do you think it's a crabs in a barrel type thing where people are like why should i support you you're you know i have dreams too and like yeah maybe you're only asking for a dollar a month but that's just they don't want maybe they don't want to see you succeed i'm not sure i'm not sure i some days it feels like the latter to me when i get really like salty <laughs> It always oh, yeah. feels like a ladder to me. Yeah. yeah. You you want all this, you want all this labor, you want all this content, you want all this work from me, and it's not even worth a dollar a month to you. Right. Right. Okay. It's it's always a ladder to me because I know for sure that if you took the same stuff that he puts out and 
there was a name on it that people trusted and believed in and things like that and probably who was also white then people would be far less hesitant Mm -hmm. and too often which is really sad to say oftentimes it is very much that crab and barrel mentality because oftentimes black people we are we are own worst enemies when it comes to things like that when it comes to supporting and things like that and i know that it's not 100% across the board, but it's far too many people who just don't want to see people who look like them go places where they can't go and they right. don't want to support them I mean, in that. Because the, the, and the worst thing is that they don't understand, like, look how many people this man is now employing or this company that he owns is employing. Look at the opportunities he's providing for other people. And it can be so much more with your help. Same thing we say about the foundation. Yeah, let's look at the families we've helped. But yeah, it's still like an uphill battle to make people understand. But at the same time, they'll turn around and tell you who not to take money from, but they're not offering you anything to replace that money that they don't want you to take. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. So it's like the example that I use is just like how politicians may use people, take pictures and stuff about what it is that they're doing in the community. Mm -hmm. And they put it out there for people to see. We are doing the same thing and we can't afford a photographer. We can't afford people to do social media and PR and all of that kind of stuff that it takes to be able to present those things in a nice way. So you might think that we over here twiddling our thumbs uh-huh. when in all actuality, we are helping a, a great deal of people and not and not making them jump through a gazillion hoops like the government does, like, you know, yep. like other organizations may. It's just we just want to help people right whatever it may be and we have the hardest time trying to get like you said a dollar from 70,000 people who have who have benefited from it right because they think that we are taking from them in some way and even people in, in our own community you know we can't we can't get them to subscribe to what we're trying to build right because they don't see us with boots on the ground. Like you can give people money and help them virtually. Like we, it's only two of us here. Mm-hmm. So why, how would we be able to do like have a mass army on the ground, giving thousands of turkeys away? Like, right. And meanwhile, people will gladly give money to these giant, like corporate charities where, you know, like a huge percentage of their budget is just marketing. I mean, I've seen those yeah. from the inside, you know, or Red Cross where they, you know, you, they collect all this money for the hurricane or the whatever. And then you go down there and there's nothing there. Like, where's, yeah. where's you know, what have you been building with all these millions of dollars? This, right. this drives me absolutely crazy. And I don't understand. And I'm hoping you guys will figure it out and tell me like, how do you break through that? Is it like, what is it that is holding people back from being generous with the people around them that they know are doing stuff that is has value they just don't i don't know i don't know why let me just say something really quickly before i forget this someone made a post the other day and they said i don't know why black people still shop at red uh, emma's and uh so and just for context red emma's i don't know everything about it but i know they they sell books and food and it's supposed it's to be like it's yeah like all of that kind of stuff and it's like worker owned and run and all that whatever whatever so whatever whatever his beef was you know he had one he was just asking 
why people still shop there. And so one of the responses was, well, they're not Jeff Bezos. So, and I was like, yeah, that's it. Because, you know, not to, not to say that it's okay or condone anything that they may have done wrong to people, but it's the point that a lot of times we don't recognize our own hypocrisy in that we, we take one thing that this small business has done wrong and we say never shop there again but then we run into this person who has made billions more billions in the middle of a pandemic yeah and we cool with it because we can get out shit shit to us the next day <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. cool yeah so that was really her point and i really appreciated that so i wanted to get that out there and it also ties in because it's it's really a mentality thing where we are twisted oftentimes and i'm not by we, I'm not just stuck on black people because I know it's very much a human thing. I know I said black people before and I stand by it, but I'm not just sitting here just ragging on black people and I don't want people to just run with it. Oh, he, you know, saying this. and No, I kind of feel that about, about women, like, you know, in like the whole like women's groups. I feel like women have the same kind of often because because the opportunities have been so rare historically. Right. Mm-hmm. That it's like you know, they don't want, like, why it's almost, it's not jealousy. I don't know. It's almost like, you know, we want, I don't, I don't know, but, but I think it's that. I, I think it's like, we don't have the mentality that everyone and anyone could succeed. So right. we are just so discriminating against who we want to succeed or who we try to empower to succeed. Yeah. And then that, that that's you're absolutely right. And part of it can be, it can be jealousy. I think some of it's fear, you know, that, I'll do this and you're going to go off and you're going to have all of these things that I could never have, but I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here enriching you Mm -hmm. and I don't want that because I I think it's really worse when it's people we know. And I I don't know why that is, but it's just the same thing. Like I can walk into the red Emma's and I can see everybody who owns it, but I ain't never a day in my life most likely going to ever run into Jeff Bezos. So we have that thing where, you know, that's cool. We still going to throw all our money at this man who was already a billionaire many, many, many times over, Hmm. but we won't go to this certain place and benefit them. Like for me, and I feel bad right now because there's a business, uh, urban oyster that I've patronized many times and they moved not too long ago. And I ran into the owner at another business and I told her, I said, look, if, if y'all ever close down, you can't blame me because I do my part to support. Right. So mm-hmm. I have to I have to be true to that and go to the new location. But um, I'm a person who just thinks so differently. Like I go I have gone to the Urban Oyster and bought a soda when I wasn't thirsty. Like I just wanted to give them some of my money. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. And, that, and that's really my mentality that if. So often we, especially again, as black people, like we'll say, oh, my God, that business closed. I can't believe it. You know, especially if it's a black owned business. But you have to think you sitting here complaining about how many times have you been there? How many times have you bought something like and that's my whole thing. Like if a business around me that I could be supporting fails and I have done nothing to prevent that, then I'm, I can't complain. I can only say I, I should have done my part. If I did my part, then I feel great. Right. Not not great that they went out of business, of course, but great that I did my part to right. help prevent that. So right. I think that's just where we, we have to make like real subtle shifts and just understand that 
you know, as, as corny as it sounds, and I don't remember the exact phrase you might, but something about all ships rising or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what you mean. Rising tide lifts all ships or something yep. like that. We have to really understand that that's true in many cases. It's not always the case. Of course, there are always going to be people who, who are shady, you know, and, and do you wrong. That's anywhere in any ethnicity, any gender. There are always people who may do you wrong. But we're not going to ever get anywhere and really rise up unless we work together and help each other to do that. And people just don't know. Again, I go back to like genuinely. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Cups, cups, <laughs> coffee house where I go. And sometimes I just. In all of yeah, why not? <laughs> sometimes I just go to cups and I just make a donation. I don't even I don't get a thing. I make a donation and I said it's maybe three dollars here and there but it adds up certainly i know how to do math it adds all adds up that's right uh, that's the that's the thing is it's so like what we're talking about is a fr like a minuscule fraction of what we spend in other areas yeah. like yes. you take how much you spend just calculate how much you spend on amazon and then yeah. take 10 of those dollars and distribute them once a month you know ten dollars a month to different contributors it adds up. You have 75,000 goddamn people in your group. If every yeah. single one of those, hell, if even 50,000 of them gave you a dollar a month, you could quit your jobs and actually do build a company and, and you know, generate more stuff. And what, here's the trippy part. We could do the things that they want us to do. Right. They want to see these things happen. They just don't all want to do their part to help make them happen financially that's the right. thing Very so when we do it everybody's gonna be like oh this is the shit this is so great you did that matt Presby. yeah you did that kelly this is what we always wanted to see and we're gonna say well how much did you contribute hear you i hear you and and, and, I, and i think you're right too i just want to say that it's more painful when it comes from people that you know you've proved your worth to them like you've done yes. work already yeah. It's not like you're saying, oh, give me a bunch of money and I'm going to go do this untested and untried thing that I've never yes. done. Like, I've been doing this. I've been doing it. You've been asking for it. I've been delivering it. And now, yeah. nothing. Yes. Look, <laughs> check this out. Check this out. So there was a, um, a conversation, as happens every so often, where people say, ah, we need to build this thing. And so, so what I like to say is people say, we need to build this thing. And and then they say, and I say, well, I already built the thing. And they say, well, we need to build a thing, just not your thing. Oh. So they they, they 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 want something. And and not even, I shouldn't say we need to build a thing. We need to have a thing because they don't want to help build it. Right. They just want to see it there. So we need to have this thing, but just not your thing that you already built. Right. And, and that's the craziest thing to me. That's the trippiest part. Plus the other thing is that is it really trips me out when people question like all right so what are you going to do with this money and so on and so forth they give me the third degree like i get a whole irs audit and all of that stuff but they can turn around and pay eight dollars for only fans every month and don't question nothing <laughs> come on man yeah Ooh. clearly they must think jeff bezos is some kind of i don't know saint or angel like what do you think do you think he's not out there like doing right with that with those billions of dollars he's a right. human yeah. Exactly. They make jokes about it, but yep. they don't stop. Right. They, they <laughs> don't stop and they don't ask him what he's doing with his money. Mm -hmm. 
but they're gonna ask me, and and in all likelihood, I probably just asked you for a dollar, and I gotta get an IRS audit to find out what I'm gonna do with this dollar. <laughs> Come on, man, you want a whole it's forensic true. audit it's for what true. I'm gonna do with your dollar? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, this conversation mm. is that crazy? Oh, it's tough. Oh, shucks. Yeah, we we actually have an appointment at one. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap this up, <laughs> and we'll do it again <laughs> next time because yeah. then you know, well, we can have this can be an ongoing thing. Which is, we, yeah, we can talk whenever yeah, we want. Sure. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Matt and Kelly, you are amazing, and I just in closing want to say that to make change in the world and to be to be the kinds of people that really help those who are in need, you have to, it, it requires courage, right? You have to be vulnerable and vulnerability requires courage. And consistently, I see both of you showing up and demonstrating what that looks like. And your kids are so lucky to have you as parents. Your communities are lucky to have you as leaders. I'm lucky to know you because you inspire me. I want you to know that from my heart. I look at you and I am inspired to do better and to be better and to keep going even when there's challenges. Thank you. Oh. No, cut that out. Cut that out. Uh, all right, all right, like, I would be like you guys have known each other for a while, but it does speak to me because I never would like two years ago, I never would have thought that I'd be sitting here hearing anybody say that about me. And that's that <laughs> and I'm not like um I'm not even I don't even know what the word is, but I just didn't think it would be me here having someone say that to me. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do too. And I yeah. and I just I had this on my mind from when you first said something about us meeting and you know being an FCLP and all of that. I'm thinking back and I'm I'm trying to figure out like how do we even like really become good friends? Because I, I think about like mostly the vision that comes to my mind was you sitting around in sunglasses and just being like real quiet and just like cool. looking around, like always cool, always. And, and looking around, it's like, how did I even really come but to know you? Introvert. I'm trying to remember. That's the introvert. <laughs> yeah. That's the introvert. Yeah, no doubt. But I'm she just was saying. The, the, the coolest. She's, she is definitely the coolest. But it's like, even I'm just trying to remember my mind. Like, how do we even like first break the ice and get to know each other? I don't other? know. I don't know. Because we are we, like, you and I really jive. Like, I don't know what it is about your personality, but I just feel like mm -hmm. I get it when you like say stuff, your humor, like I, I'm just like, oh yeah. Like this is a brother from another mother. I totally get Matt. Yeah. You are a delight. Um, and you. like knowing both of you as a package is next level. It's fantastic. <laughs> See that? And, and, and so recently everybody's been saying that and Kelly, I feel like it's really just starting to receive it. Cause at first it was like, oh, they just want to see you or whatever, whatever. No. But it's really about us and the whole dynamic and how we play off each other. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. And Kelly's yeah. such a beautiful person. Like you're, when you come on, when I see pictures of you online or when you're in videos, you, it's so joyful and happy. And I, <laughs> I love your face. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's cheesy. I'm not trying to make you like, I'm not, but it is. It's like the kind of face that you look at and you're like, oh, it's Kelly. Oh, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> right? I had my grandmama's face. And really? she was the same. Yes. Yeah. And she was the same. And I I appreciate that. And I and I I'm I'm gonna let you know that that means a lot um to me. 
because I need to hear certain things like that because it helps me and encourages me to do it more because I'm just really trying to be myself. I don't want any of this to change who I am and uh, where I come from and all of the bad and all of the good. I want to be myself and I try very hard to be that because um, I, I don't do it for the fans. I don't do it for, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, not saying that that's where we are. We are definitely not there, but I don't do it for people on social media. I do it. The stuff that Matt captures with me, yeah. most of the time I don't even know he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just want it to be me. I don't want to be anybody but me. All messed up, um, broken, and put back together. Just me. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm crying. I'm crying now. <laughs> I really got to write a book together. This is something. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Enough of this. Enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pull myself together. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Interestingly okay. enough, our one o'clock appointment is with the, the therapist. So there'll be so. more tea. Oh, yeah. 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 I got you good and warmed up then. Yeah. All right. Um, I will talk to you again soon, I hope. And um, stay yeah. safe and be good. You too. Thanks yeah, so, thank much. so much. All right. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.